Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. My name is Delton. I'll be your host today, this Halloween evening. And with me, as usual, is my lovely wife and yellow player, Haley. All Hallows Eve. All Hallows Eve. I'm really going to miss that intro next episode. I really look forward to it. We, we've been playing it uh, before we start, so we actually were hearing it. Delton's not putting it in post-production. And it really gets you in this spoopy mood. It gives you that woo feeling. It really does. It's a, it does a great job being something different, a little spooky, a little eerie, and just a little off-key for the podcast. Well, welcome to the Malthouse Games Podcast. This is episode number 78. We're almost to episode 80 which is exciting. Super wild. And today really is Halloween. We are recording on Halloween evening. We really are. We figured it would be the perfect time to record since we've done spooky episodes this month or spooky themed episodes. So we would figure this would be, you know, just another spooky one. This is a podcast, if you are not familiar with us, all about board games, card games, tabletop games, role-playing games, all sorts of things like that, as well as beer. And so what's our first beer, or should I say our fest beer, Delton? This is Festival Pants from Stone Cloud Brewing Co. Uh, It says it is crisp, malty, and crushable. 5.6% alcohol by volume in a 12-ounce can. Literally nothing else. No other words of flavor, profile, ingredients, anything like that. I have never heard of a fest beer. I feel like I'm pretty savvy with the beers. I think it's it's, uh, made up. Okay. Ooh, it looks pretty. I think it's just festival beer, and they went to fest beer because you can. It's a fest. Unless there's like a style that I'm unfamiliar with, which is not unlikely. But we are cultured peoples. Well, we try. We try. All right? Call me cottage cheese because I'm cultured. You got more than me. That is one thing. Even when I was a child, I hated, which is cottage cheese. It looks disgusting it sounds disgusting cottage cheese it's like cheese you find in an old cottage basically it's basically, what it is yeah it's gross i never wanted anything to do with it ever like we used to have to eat it as a kid we would have cottage cheese and peaches or cottage cheese and jello gross and i remember you know we, we grew up part-time my grandparents had a dairy farm and so on the weekends and sometimes in the evenings we'd go out with dad whenever he was working on the dairy and just seeing cottage cheese occur naturally as a kid, I understood what it was and I hated it, but I was still like forced to eat it. It was considered dessert. That's gross. It's terrible. That's real gross. Oh man, I mm-mm, to this day. Well, anyway, to the festival beer. It's a nice golden color. There's a little bit of haze to it. You can still see through your fingers on the other side of the glass, and you can see shapes outside of it, but you can't really distinguish things. So the tiny bit of haze. It smells especially malty for such an clear beer it does smell very malty it's normally like with more malty beers they're a little more hazy a little more dark but you can see through it pretty well yeah it's very very clean very fresh taste which is interesting and the maltiness it's not too sweet i can't figure out what type of malt they used like on a scale of maltiness from like one to rye bread this is like a triscuit cracker Basically so. It's sweet. It's very sweet. But it's not sweet in the way that like a really malty like porter or stout or, you know, anything like that. This is is the Triscuit Crackers of malty beers. It's actually pretty dang good. I like it. It's it's simple. 
Yeah, I, I picked this up yesterday. Uh, I went to our friendly local liquor store. I walk over there because it's within walking distance of my house and why drive when you don't have to. Yes. And I spot it and I was looking for something malty, something dark, maybe like a porter or maybe like even a stout or something like that. But I came across this and I said, it said malty, it said crushable. So I was like, okay, it's easy drinking and it's malty. Didn't know what it was. Let's give it a shot. And I'm not disappointed. It's really good. And this is one of those things too. I know we've said this before. Stone Cloud is not my favorite of the local breweries. Which, everybody has their opinions on different breweries, that's right. fine. Uh, but this is probably my favorite beer I've had from them, I yeah. would say. Like, this is the one, if someone was like, I want to try Stone Cloud, what should I try? So far, this would be the one I say, that's the beer you want. And, no, the reason why we don't care for it as much is because their beers are a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. And we like a lot of the heavier, whether it's a double IPA or a stout or a porter. Like, we like the, I'm going to punch your tongue in the face. The- Whereas these are very... <laughs> light and refreshing beers, even for their quote-unquote dark beers. They have low alcohol, too. They do have low alcohol. Like, this with, is an anomaly. With, Normally, it's like yeah. 3.7%, and this is 56 I'm like, hell yeah, brother. Yeah, so they're they're not our favorite, but this is a very good beer. I'm very, very happy with this, and I'm glad I now have a recommendation from Stone Cloud that I li- am, like, down with. Like, this is really one I like a lot. Same. Should we tell them about Icepocalypse 2020, Delty Poo? We can, so... As you all probably know at this point, the nation got cold. Most of the nation got pretty chilly this week. Well, here in Oklahoma, uh, we had an ice storm. A historic ice storm, and it snowed. Uh, this is it's tied with the earliest date for snow in the state. The last time, I think it was 1913, they said. I think that's October what it 26th. was. Yeah, yeah, this is one of the co- earliest times in the year it's get, gotten this cold. Uh, we were in like 27 degrees. It was rain, which immediately froze. Uh, we've had. Every tree in the metro of Oklahoma City is basically cut in half at this point because so many limbs broke, power lines down. How many people in Oklahoma County are out of power? So for perspective, uh, the electric company uh, for the Oklahoma City metro serves about 240,000 in Oklahoma City. 167,000 were out of power this week, and they're not expecting most of them to have power until the end of next week at the earliest. That's just crazy. There's a lot of people buying Every generator they can find. A lot of people staying in other people's houses, which is like Brian coming to stay with us. A lot of people buying fall candles and using all of them, not for seances like you're supposed to on Halloween, but to keep warm and have light. Right. There's all kinds of stuff, but it's been crazy. Uh, It was there for a day. The next day, the streets were basically just water by the afternoon, and then now everything's fine, and it's a really nice, like, 60 degrees. Oh, it's gorgeous. Cool breeze and sunshine, but it was another ice storm. Oklahoma gets ice storms a lot. And being such a Midwestern slash Southern state, it's not something you expect. But we've had several in the past 20 years. I'm going to say at least three now. You were out of power as a kid for like two weeks at one point, right? Uh, Try two months. Are you serious? It was a long time. Oh my gosh. Was that like 2009? Was that that ice storm? That was one before that. The 01. Ah. My brother was still in high school and he graduated 02. So I think it was 2001. And we were out, I want to say we were out almost two months. It was like six or seven weeks. Which you lived out in the boonies. We lived in the country, so we had a generator. We ran the TV, the refrigerator, but we would go to grandma's house in town to stay a lot because she had power because town got power back within a week. Mm-hmm. But my house stayed out. It didn't really bother us. We had a stove in the living room that ran off the propane tank. Outside, we had a big, you know, those like 500-gallon propane tanks. They come fill with the truck. We had a, uh, a stove we would run for heat. And then since our house was, all, everything was gas, we would light the burners on the oven in the kitchen on the range and let the kitchen warm up too. And we would keep the house nice and toasty. And 
We didn't have problems. We played outside a lot. I stayed at grandma's a lot. But yes, it was like close to two months. So like whenever your grandparents gripe about having no electricity, you're like, yeah, me too. Exactly. We always say that Western Oklahoma was like 65 years behind and Dalton's lived it. I have lived it. The only thing is I didn't walk six miles each way to the bus stop. That's true. <laughs> That's the thing. But yes, we had the ice apocalypse. That's pretty much been the big news for us, I believe, in the past two weeks. We got to see our friend Kyle, which was really nice. Got to hang out with him, play some games. We've played some games with Brian. I got to have a sleepover with Allison. Allison and I binge watched The Crown and ate a lot of snacks mm-hmm. and stayed up late and slept until 7.30. Is that sleeping in now? Hell yeah. It oh, was great. I slept until like what today? 10? Yeah. I'd already made a, Dude, I was dead. I made a dozen and a half popcorn balls by the time you even rolled out of bed. I already had a pot of coffee in me. Uh, you were asleep on the couch last night by 10 o'clock, and I was falling asleep by 10 o'clock. Finally got up and got around and went and laid in bed and still was just dead. I was just tired. Speaking of dead, let's talk about our spooky game. Oh, here's the door. It's straight ahead. It's, it's a game. So, the game for this episode is actually not a game. I think this is the second time ever we will be doing an expansion. Because it is not common for us to do expansions on the podcast, but... It is common for Delton to give me my presents a month early. Yes, her birthday is on the 29th of next month of November. And I ordered some presents in and wanted to give her at least one of them today. And I ended up getting... Four? I think so. Yeah. I'm really bad at key. I just like giving <laughs> presents. I got a wind chime, which I love. I got a little hair straightener, which I love. I got little markers for my garden, which I love. And I got this expansion and components. That's very true. So I gave Haley uh, the Herb Witches, which is the expansion to the Quacks of Quedlinburg. Now, I also had to purchase the Board Game Geek upgrade bits because I have those for the base game which means I have to have them to also play the expansion with our base game because if I didn't, I'd have to use the base game tokens, which are all unsorted and it's whatever. I got the tokens and the base game for Haley. To be fair about your other gifts, the little signs are to help you mark your vegetables you've got growing and which ones are what. The wind chime is also for me. And your hair straightener, the one you use now is literally falling apart and broken, and you're just making it work. So you really needed one. It's 10 years old, and our Roomba grabbed the cord and slung it across the room, and so it it broke one of the plates out, and so I just kind of, like, stuck it back in there the best of my ability. That's what she said. And it's been working okay. My hair hasn't caught on fire. I haven't burned my bangs off like I did in London that one time. But now you have a new one. It works. So really, this expansion's kind of the first true birthday present. And I am not I mean, opposed. I guess I also gave you a book already, but... Hey, oh yeah. Still. Well, you have four more weeks to buy me some more presents. Oh, I've already got more back here. It's fine. Hell yeah, brother. And more on the way, and some from Kickstarter that I backed forever ago. To be continued. There's a lot coming. Anyway, yes, the Herb Witches expansion for the Quacks of Quedlinburg, along with the upgrade tokens from Board Game Geek. If you have not played the Quacks of Quedlinburg, we did that on podcast episode number 51, and of course we raved about it because we really enjoy this game. That I was think right now, after Token Con, right? That was right after Token Con because I purchased it like immediately after because I enjoyed it so much. Um, I looked at our, my phone. As of the play we did today with the expansion, we now have 14 plays, which for us is a lot of plays of a game. Wow. I feel like we played it so much more. It feels like we have, and there may be a time or two. I don't know, but I've been trying to be really good about keeping track. But still, 14 times, 
is honestly a lot when you have as many games as we do and we play as much as we do, which I know isn't a ton right now. But anyway, so yes, uh, Quacks of Quedlinburg for a quick rundown of, for if you are not familiar with it and haven't listened to episode 51, which I would recommend because, of course, Quacks of Quedlinburg is a push your luck style game where you are playing essentially a quack doctor brewing up fake potions to sell to people on the street. You are going to be drawing tokens from a bag, placing them in your pot that has a spiral design where the numbers and the money you get to buy to purchase more ingredients goes up and up the further you get. You are competing with the other players. You're going to pull things from the bag, put them in your pot, try not to make your pot explode by putting too much of the whatever the white ingredient is called. It makes your pot boil over. You're going to do that for nine rounds, and whoever has the most points at the end of the game is going to win. There are four different ingredient sets in the first game. You can mix and match them as you please as well that give the different types of ingredients uh, different abilities to use. So, again, I recommend that game a lot. The Herb Witches expansion adds on to that game. So what Herb Witches adds directly is two more sets of rules for the ingredients. So you get set number five and set number six, which means now your combinations have gone up exponentially, basically. It also adds in the Herb Witches, which there are three of, which, by the way, the artwork, uh, it's Dennis Lohausen. I love the artwork on the green witch with the red poofy hair and the giant glasses. And I really like the artwork as well because it's very diverse of women. A lot of times with women in board games, it's like one woman and they are really scantily clad or it's all young women. Um, In this one, it has an older woman to the right. It has a younger woman to the left. And it has 18-year-old Haley in the middle. And they're all three different sizes. Yes. They're not all the same figure. That is correct. Their clothing is different. Their hair. Like, they did a good job doing something different there. They really did. We will have to post a picture of what I look like in high school because that looks exactly like me. Round face. Basically. Big-ass curly hair, giant glasses, and really Mm -hmm. bookish and a nerd. I mean, they are witches that are messing with herbs, so they're nerds. Yes. Yes. I guess that works. I don't know. That sounded like it. It sounded better in my head before I said it, but it's fine. (laughs) But yeah, so it also adds the herb witches. They come with their own tokens. I think they're called witch pennies in three different colors. There's like a copper, like a silver, and I think like a brown or an orange or something like that. And what that is, is at the beginning of the game, you are going to flip over one of each of the different colors of witch, and you will be able to have a one-time in the game effect by spending your witch penny to use that witch's ability. These can be very, very strong. If you are familiar with Quacks of Quedlinburg, you would know that being able to use your flask after your pot boils over, that's a big, strong power. That is one of these witch's abilities. And there are, I think, five of each witch. So again, the combinations there and the way the game's going to play changes every time. So that's going to be nice. Along with those, which I, I have actually really enjoyed in the play we just did. Which along with those, you have enjoyed. Which I have enjoyed. <laughs> there is also a new ingredient called, what was it called? Loco flower? Loco yes. berry? Uh, Loco flora? Something like that. I, I feel like we should know these things. <laughs> we've played it once. We've had this game in our possession for about three and a half hours. That's true. It, it did. Uh, when did it show up? Today or yesterday? I don't know. Oh, this showed up yesterday. But anyway. Yes, there is a new flower that is a clear token with no value on it. So normally in the game, your tokens you place in your pot have a value. It's generally one, two, or four. And that's how many spaces ahead of your previous token you put that it goes into your pot. 
So your pot's numbered from like zero to like, I believe 32 or 33. So if you are on two, you draw a two tile, a two token out of your bag, that two token will go on the spot number four because it goes two ahead of the previous one. This one has no value. Its value corresponds to the rat tails that you have that round. Rat tails are what you get when you are behind the leader. So if the lead player has 40 points, the second closest player has 36 points, and the third player, let's say it's a three-player game, has 20 points, there is going to be so many rat tails split up down that scoring track, you just count the number between you and the lead player. So the second place player in that scenario would get fewer rat tails than the third place player. So this token, this new one, can go up to a value of four depending on the number of rat tails you have. So if you have two rat tails, it's worth two. If you have eight rat tails, it's still worth only four. But it's pretty neat because it gives the people behind kind of an advantage of they can keep buying a couple of those and they always are going to move you up. Now, I think their minimum is one. So they're always going to be worth something but they get all the way up to four, which is just really neat. Yeah, I really like the game because it complements the game really well and it just adds little things. Like it adds some more uh, abilities, like Delton said. It adds some more like lifelines. You only get to use those lifelines once in the whole game. But uh, in adding the lifelines and adding the the different abilities of each of the tokens, it really spruces up the game. Like the game's great on its own, but and it already has a lot of combinations that you can play. The game is already different as you go. But if you've played it 14, 15, 20, 30 times, then this just makes the game even more different. It gives more opportunities for uh, abilities that you can do, for things that you can play. And so it really does a great job complementing the game and sprucing it up without completely changing it. That's true. It, I don't want to use the phrase like more of the same. Because it does add more of the same, but at the same time, including the new witches, including the new token, including a fifth player, I should mention that, it lets you go from four to five players in the game. Uh, Throwing all that in, it's no longer more of the same. It really does feel like it just adds uh, something so slight to the game. Yes, there is some more of the same, but there's also something else that's new on top of that that I feel like is a welcome addition that feels like a simple inclusion. It flows, it fits into the game perfectly. But it is something different than we had before, which I really like. I think one of my favorite things going to be to do now, we need to play with the sixth set completely, all, all of the sixth like, ingredient set. Then we need to craft our own favorite set of all of our favorite abilities. I feel like if we use the first set red, where they play off pumpkins, the fifth set blue that plays off pumpkins, and we like do stuff like that. We add in our favorite of the yellow, which I kind of really love the fifth set yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, if we'd go through and pick and choose, we can make our own custom couple sets and be like, this one's if you want to really have a super combo, we feel. This one's if you want to have a really, like, it's a tough game to get a lot of points or something. Like, we could make our own. We should also do one that's all of our least favorite ones as well. Oh, that'd be brutal. <laughs> the most challenging, like, no- nothing works together. You can't build anything off of anything else. It's our yeah. least favorite of each color. It's like challenge mode. I could see that. I mean, in this fifth set, we need to play it again because we didn't even use any purples or any of the blacks at all. And we barely, t- I don't even think we bought any more green. Like, nah. I feel like we missed out on a lot of those. So we just need to play it again. We do. But yes, I really like this expansion. I mean, I'm not going to go on and on about it because we did cover the game already, but it's just, it was a welcome addition. It was. I do want to backtrack a little on what I said. Like, okay. what I said earlier, like, a lot of board games have like the scantily clad women. Like board games have come a long way in the last five years. I don't mean to Totes. undermine what 
progress has been made. But it's just always refreshing when you see older women. Like we're yeah. seeing more um, no people of color being represented. We're seeing more non-binary. We're seeing more older people, men and women. And mm-hmm. I love to see that because, yeah. I mean, not everybody is a white person age 25 who plays board games. It turns out. True. Turns out. And so I just, I love to see the witches being different ages. You no, know, I love to see, um, I know there's been some game releases lately that have been primarily people of color or primarily non-binary or gender non-conforming. And I love to see it. It's so refreshing. Mm-hmm. So publishers, keep doing this. This is awesome. It helps out. It's definitely nice. And I always go back to our prime example of Dead of Winter. Yes. All different sizes and shapes and ages and sex and everything. And it's just one yes. of the best that has a full, you know, swath of what feels like representation of normalcy. Yes. It feels yeah. normal because, it feels normal. you know, you've got the older lady. You have older You've got lady, the old yeah. trucker guy and you've got the young, like, you know, kind of sexy librarian and you've got the dog and you've, you've got the... uh I think one of the expansions um, has a person in a wheelchair, yeah. which was a big inclusion of getting people that have you know disabilities like that. And so they've done a really good job. And I think it set a big, uh, a big bar. And so it's nice. It is nice to see more people go through it. Not that yes. this is, you know, but yes, it is good. And we enjoyed that on the cover, but this has been a very, very fun expansion. I recommend if you like Quacks of Quedlinburg and own it, I will highly recommend the Herb Witches expansion. I think it does add enough to the game to warrant it. I purchased it directly from North Star Games' website. I started looking at my usual outlets, Cool Stuff Inc., Miniature Market. All of them were sold out. And I was like, why does nobody have this? I go to the publisher's website, and it's in stock. And I was like, "Uh, of course, I'll just support the publisher directly. And it got here in like three days. It beat my normal shipping speed from everywhere else. And I got it. The day that we got the expansion pieces. That's true. I will also highly recommend the Board Game Geek upgrade bits for this game. Being that you're tossing these bits in a bag, drawing them out, you're going to be doing a lot of that. The cardboard ones tend to get beat up very fast, and they like to stick together, and they just don't work as well as these other bits. Given it is excess, the bits for the expansion cost as much as the expansion, so it is excess that you do not need, but I do recommend them if you have the budget and think that that's something you would like. Plus, it's my birthday, so I'm worth it. There you go. But yes, so pretty short talk, but grab Herb Witches. And let's grab another beer. To Bean or not to Bean? That is the question. Oh, you should have said that is the beer. I was about to say that is the beer, Oh, but then you ruined it. Well, you said that is the question. Well, I know. I was going to say that is the question and the beer, but you interrupted me so rudely. Twisted Spike Brewing Company. Uh, uh, Let me try it again. Let me try it again. Let me try it again. To Bean or not to Bean? That is the question. And the beer of the episode. Oh, I see what you're going to do. There you go. See? I, yeah. Yep. The beer is called To Trust Bean or me. Not To Bean. That is actually the name. I, have, I get paid for my puns in my second job, so you 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 know I'm going to have a pun or I'm going to have something. However, this one is TWO2, like the number two. Or wordplay. <laughs> so this says, brewed and canned by Twisted Spike Brewing Company. It is a porter brewed with natural flavors made with whole vanilla beans and cold brewed French roast coffee. Smells and tastes like a coffee house, but with beer. It has an alcohol by volume of 5.8% and an IBU of 28%, meaning it is a very sweet beer. So we've actually kind of cheated with this one. We had this when we went to watch The Evil Dead at the drive-in a few weeks ago. And we loved it. And we wanted to have it again. Don't you? You gave yourself more the first beer. Now you're giving yourself more the second beer. I'm getting well, like see, here's the thing. three and a half I, ounces of beer. I pour the beers. Therefore, it's an accident because I try to eyeball it. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's pretty good. Okay, from now on, I once get to pour the beer. Once your foam goes down, you'll be good. That's incorrect. Anyway, as you would expect with a coffee-based porter, this is black as night. You can't see a single tiny glint of light through this beer. But it smells like a mocha frappuccino. It just smells like coffee, but it smells like... If you take coffee and mix it with a Star Crunch. You the remember? hell is a Star Crunch? Star Crunch. It's those... Little Debbie candies that are like Rice Krispies coated in chocolate with like a soft nougaty center. It's the big, you know what I'm talking about? If it wasn't sold at Dollar General. It is. I, I don't remember were, this at all. Okay, so they're they're a disc shape the size of, of a moon pie. Okay. We're going to stick with shitty like <laughs> desserts you buy for 60 cents at the convenience store. I mean, store. I had cosmic brownies out my eyeballs, but I don't no, remember this one. It's a star crunch. It's shaped like a moon pie shape. Same similar look. Okay. But it's essentially coated in like Rice Krispies, oh, all coated in chocolate. I remember that. And the inside's soft. I remember okay, that. Holy crap. This is coffee with that smell. Oh, my God. God, it's Grandma B's kitchen. <laughs> Here's the thing. Star Crunch, if I could eat Star Crunch right now, I would be 900 pounds because all I would do is eat Star Crunch till I die. <laughs> they <Wait>. <laughs> are my favorite of those like little Debbie snacks. You know, there's so much that's accidentally vegan, whether it is like the Aldi apple pie turnovers or yeah. Oreo cookies. I'm going to take a gander. That's going to be my homework between now and next uh, episode to find out if they are vegan. They're not. They're not. You checked? No, yeah. Oh, I'm ne- sorry. Neither are zebra cakes. Hello, darkness, my old friend. We can't have any little Debbie. She hates <laughs> us. It's probably a good thing. She's not getting candy for Halloween. We're going to see a little kid dressed up as little Debbie. We're just going <laughs> to close the door. Screw <laughs> sure you, little Debbie kicker. Okay, take a smell of your beer. Tell me that is not a Star Crunch mixed with coffee. It's a Star Crunch mixed with coffee. Oh, taking a Star Crunch and taking a piece off and dipping it in hot coffee was amazing. Oh, I never did that. And hot chocolate. I don't think I had those past age 11. Oh, I have them way too old for somebody to be so excited. <laughs> so this beer is sweet. Star Crunch sweet. <laughs> it, it literally tastes like coffee, though. Like it on the ta- aftertaste. It, it tastes like <laughs> a carbonated coffee with a lot of sugar up front. Just Star Crunch. It's like the Star Crunch, like the coffee you drink after you've dipped your whole Star Crunch in it. Is that yeah. what it tastes like? Basically, there's this has a sugary sweetness in the front end that I, like, it's really weird. I don't expect how sugary sweet this is. In the very beginning, but it does. The, the aftertaste is just like cold brew. It really is. And I think that's part of it. They said they used cold brew, and cold brew is my least favorite form of coffee. I'm just not a cold brew fan. But cold brew always has a specific taste that varies drastically from a hot cup of coffee. And I think that's why this tastes so different, and it's hard for me to put my finger on it. Because I don't drink cold brew, so I think that that's part of the flavor I'm getting. But we like it. It is good. It's a very good coffee based beer if you like cold coffee and beer this is a combo of the two put together and it's really good now let's talk about our topic du jour hey what can i get you i'd like a topic any special way make it a top shelf topic coming up enjoy our topic of today's episode is what are your halloween traditions Halloween traditions. I'm going to get mine out of the way really quickly as we talk about this topic. Uh, we didn't have any. I went trick-or-treating. That was it. We lived in the country. We didn't have trick-or-treaters because of it. We always went to Grandma's house and stayed with Grandma because we could walk around town and then go back to Grandma's house and stay the night. And uh, the only thing that I remember as tr- a true tradition is watching Grandma turn away teenagers that she thinks are too old to trick-or-treat. <laughs> oh, my God. Your grandpa 
was brutal. Oh, she was. She was like, you guys are too old. You don't get no candy. And she just shut the door. Ah, it's like, thanks, Grandma. That's great. So <laughs> it was always fun to watch, oh, but that was what we did. Um, we used to go to one people's house. If I told them my mom and dad said hi, by, and I told them my parents' names by name, I would get a king-size candy bar out of the freezer. They would do that for people. And then Mr. Warwick, I, I remembered his name, was an old teacher at our town. He would always make the best popcorn balls in the world. Sorry, Haley. And they were huge, too. They were like, I'm talking gigantic, and always used to make sure to hit his house for those. And then we would always make sure to hit, I can't think of his last name now, Keener. Mr. Keener used to always scare the crap out of children, either with a chainsaw or he would have some spooky thing in his house, and he would make sure to scare everybody. Uh, those were the three places we would make sure to hit on Halloween. That's pretty much my Halloween tradition. Stop there. So basically, you were the who's who of your small town. Yes. Uh, do you know Tammy and Larry? That's exactly what it was, and then you get a candy bar. But it was anybody <laughs> who they knew like that. That was the same family who would always take photos with the kids, mm. the one that they had the news thing about when they passed away. Or maybe it was before they passed away. It was before they passed away. You showed it to me. Yeah, because okay. they were showing them their books, and they had decades of just right. kids in their costumes. They'd take photos with them, and yeah. Right there, so by, right there by the elementary school. We need to find that and share that on the Malt House page. It's really interesting, yeah. So what about your Halloween traditions? I know you had a lot more. We did. So, like, growing up Catholic, uh, Halloween or, like, the Halloween week kind of spread across three days. You know, we have Hall- Halloween, All Hallows' Eve. Uh, we have All Saints' Day and All Souls' Day. And, you know, typically we would have uh, the Saturday before Halloween or Halloween if it was, we would go to Mass in our costumes. And we would have a big church Halloween party that night, a big Halloween carnival. And the next day we'd have the church bazaar. Uh, and so typically you'd often go to Mass again if you were Grandma Joyce's grandkid. And uh, the bazaar was, you know, turkey dinners that you got to buy. There's a whole uh, area to bid on pies, to bid on handmade Afghans and everything like that. Um, but on Halloween itself, if it didn't fall on one of those church days, we would go to my great-grandmother's house, Grandma Gertrude. And she would make soup. Um, specifically she would make potato soup and oyster stew. We had oyster stew like crazy. And my, the adults would drink a crap ton of wine. She'd make popcorn balls again. And then we'd go trick-or-treating around her house, around, around Canute, where we knew everybody and related to everybody. Like Halloween was a big thing in my family up until I was probably about 12 or 13. Um, we actually lost my great-grandma this year, Grandma Gertrude. She's been in the nursing home for a while suffering from dementia. Very sad to lose her because she was my last remaining great-grandparent. Uh, but we kept up the tradition this year, got a bottle of wine, and I made popcorn balls today, and I did a good job. They are very good popcorn balls. And that's the thing with your desserts. You've had apple pie, mm-hmm. had sugar cookies, mm-hmm. cupcakes, and popcorn balls. And? You had another one? The first oh, one. Oh, banana bread. You had banana bread. Spice banana bread. I, I think my favorite of all of those was the pumpkin pie. Apple pie. Sorry, apple pie, partially because the crust was so damn good. I did a good job. It, it was, was a flaky very, crust. It was a buttery, crispy crust. And they are all vegan, and I did a good job. Super good. But my popcorn balls, so I had to learn how to make them crackle, make the candy crackle, and I got it perfect. The balls aren't goopy at all, but you they don't break your teeth also. Well, you bite them to them, and they crunch. When you have soft teeth. All right, Michael Scott. I have pretty soft teeth. <laughs> But Delton and I are trying to start our own traditions, especially this year. Um, you know, the reason why I'm making desserts every weekend in October is because, you know, during the pandemic, it's kind of hard to celebrate those milestones, hard to celebrate yeah. Easter. We don't get a- together with our family as much, if at all. 
And so I've been really trying to up the tradition. So I got pumpkins. We're going to carve pumpkins after this while we um, sit candy bags out on the driveway for trick-or-treaters. That way they're, they're all individually wrapped so you can just grab one and go. But we're, we've also uh, know we're going to go on a nature walk for Samhain and kind of reflect on our year. And really just you know, making popcorn balls, carving jack-o'-lanterns, doing spooky stuff, and just enjoying each other's company, making it festive. No, this it's hard during the pandemic right now. And you no, know, we used to have huge Halloween parties every year. Yeah. We hope to have those again. But you know, so it's kind of sad. And so we're just making the most of it and we're I'm actually having a really fun time. No, I thought it was gonna be really sad this year not having the Halloween party, which I am. But you know, we've we've made up for it with our our new traditions of pumpkin carving, the popcorn balls, the walks, the uh spooky movies. We've only watched spooky movies and spooky shows all of October. And so that's made it really great for us. And so hopefully you all are finding your own tradition as well. We're trying to come up with some traditions for the Christmas season as well, since we're not able to get together as much as we used to. But hopefully you guys are finding a way to make the holiday special as well. For sure. I'm going to throw it way back, something you said in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. It's still crazy to me that it was just this year that you lost your last great-grandparent. My last great-grandparent died when I was two. So I never knew them. I knew four of my eight. I knew my maternal, uh, see, my, my maternal great-grandmother, my paternal great-grandmother is one who just passed away. Uh, let's see, okay. Uh, do I know? Who do I know? Hold on. Oh, I knew, yeah, I knew four. Two, two, two great-grandfathers and two great-grandmothers. Jeez, it's crazy, because yeah. most people don't. Yeah, I am very grateful. Like, I didn't lose a grandparent until I was 20. Yeah. Like, I am, I am very grateful for that. And I had great relationships with all four of my great-grandparents and my grandparents. And I still have two grandparents alive. I'm very grateful for that. It's just crazy. It really is. But your family's very young. Yes. Like, all your family had kids so young. Like, grandma. Catholics. My grandma had, on my dad's side, though, my only remaining grandparent, had all her kids at pretty young. But the, all the families are still older. It also helps, though, that she is as strong as an ox for a 91-year-old. And this is the grandmother that told the teenagers to yeah. get bent. She does, every time. Every She'll do it. <laughs> I've seen it way too many times about, you're too old to dress up, and then she'll just shut the door. I'm just a really tall nine-year-old. Right. You should have a job. I've seen her ask people's ages. Seriously? Yep. Oh, man. How old are you? Blah, blah, blah. You're too old. Yeah. She was. She was rough. How old were you when you stopped trick-or-treating? I don't know. We used to go around when we were like 15, 16 still and just walk really? ar- walk around town. And I don't think we tr- actually trick-or-treated then. It was more just hang out and go around. And maybe we had friends that would get candy and then we would just be with them. But that was pretty much it. Um, I don't know. It would, part of that was just everyone was out to hang out and dressed up and, you know, spooky stuff and this and that. But that was all. I think my last year trick-or-treating was age 13. Like, I still dressed up every year, but to give out candy. You mean to get candy? What? You said give out. No, I think my my last year Uh trick-or-treat was age 13, but then I still dressed up every year to give out candy. Oh, I get it. I get it. I I, I thought you meant giving out candy until you were 13, and I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, no, I'm sorry. That's okay. But yeah, so Halloween traditions are just fun. It's a fun time of year. It's spooky. I enjoy the spookiness, and it's just one of those things where we're having to learn to add that in. Uh, to make it more fun. And so, speaking of traditions, let's talk about the question of the episode. And now, join us for an Alt House Games podcast special, Pint-Size Question. So the question for today's episode is, what do you look forward to 
in October slash Halloween. Can I start with the psychology prelude? Go for it. So we have implicit versus explicit memory. Explicit memory are things like, I remember when I got married, or I remember my 21st birthday, or you don't, depending on who you are. But they're like the specific memories that you remember that you make. You can recall the time, place, everything like that. They're experiences. Explicit memory are things like knowing how to drive a car. You really don't have to like think of the specific time you learned how to drive. Like it's, it's all like muscle memory. It's also things like the memory of October. You know, whenever you say October, like you get that warm feeling inside. You might get that woo feeling. That's like the your, your your implicit memory. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And so for me, it's that implicit memory. Like as soon as October 1st comes, for some reason, I have like that implicit memory of that October feeling, that warm feeling. It's inviting. It's associated with food and love. And it, part of it is, you know, growing up, Halloween was such a big part of my family. And so I associate it with getting together with family, with these traditions, with popcorn balls, with candy, with oyster stew that I can't eat anymore. But it just, it's a very warm and inviting month for me. I can see that. So that's what you look forward to about it. Yes. That and dressing up. I look forward to the cold because Halloween here or October here is generally the month at the end of the month when true fall hits. It's generally this last week of October when the cold first starts and everything starts getting 60s and then continuously cools down throughout November until I feel like our winter truly starts in December. Yeah. Because it always runs through pretty much middle of March. Yeah. So for me, October is I love spooky stuff. I love scary movies, that eerie feeling and all that. Um, the beginning of fall starts. There's already leaves on the ground outside, that kind of stuff. And then the temperature drops. So that's always what I look forward to the most. And I guess it does kind of get you in that mood for the rest of the holiday season. Yes, it's like the prelude to the holidays. It really is. The spooky prelude where you scare out all the bad memories. Exactly. Isn't that what Salon's about? Like you, you talk about all the terrible things that happened this year. You talk about all your loss. And then you like start a bonfire get really drunk and you wake up refreshed like hit rock bottom so that way you can start the year again i mean that's pretty much it but you also have to think about that in 99 percent of like every culture that's not i guess modern western civilization is how i'm gonna put it i could be off here but in terms of like you know the people that actually celebrated Samhain or you know any of the different like pagan religions and a lot of those different um just different people, the people you consider like quote unquote barbarians, the beginning of winter was the beginning of the new year. Mm -hmm. So the October hits, stuff starts dying. You're now reflecting on the past year and getting rid of all of it because the rebirth is now coming with Christmas where everything starts from dead and comes back to life. So we don't really have that lens in the United States, but in terms of where these traditions come from, it makes sense that you're this is the last time of mourning the dead, of all that kind of stuff, which is why you get, you know, uh, Samhain, you get All Souls Day or whatever, you get Day of the Dead in Mexico. Yeah, de los muertos. All of that comes together because right now is the time to do that because we're about to go into a new year, a new, you know, spring is going to be coming and all of that. So that I think that's a perspective to keep that winter's the start of the year, essentially. I like that. And, you know, Delton yeah. and I have talked about um, incorporating some Samhain traditions. And so we're going to go on a reflective nature walk either tonight or tomorrow just to kind of, you know, be mindful, be present in nature, kind of reflect on our year. I mean, not that we're going to do anything, you know, crazy with it, 
Um, sacrifice a goat. Sacrifice a goat. I mean, we could. Yeah. I know a guy. We all, we all know Lack. We all know Lack. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Lack. Poor Cabrito. <laughs> he has a um, goat named Cabrito who is a turd. He had to put pool noodles on his horn so that way he didn't get stuck in the fence anymore. Yep. But, I mean, we're just we're just going to do that. We're going to take that time to reflect on our year. It's been a hell of a year, 2020. Yep. And so, you know, we're just trying to incorporate more traditions in our own day-to-day lives to kind of mark the year, especially when everything looks the same. But also, you know, take time to reflect and celebrate the life that we do have. We're very grateful for it. For sure. I think that that is a good way to close out the episode. Before we get out of here and go do our pumpkin carving and whatever else we have to do tonight, we need to give a shout out to our Patreon backers. So thank you to Allison, Alan, Jesse, Catherine, Jennifer, and Cliff. I think that's all of them. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon and helping us keep this podcast going, as well as helping us upgrade things from time to time. If you would like to be like them, you can go to patreon.com slash malthousegames, M-A-L-T-H-A-U-S games. I didn't say anything in this episode, but I need to shout out that we put out our review video for Adventure Mart uh, last week, this week? I think it was Tuesday. Uh, last Tuesday, yeah. I think it was this last Tuesday. So make sure to go check that out on YouTube. Like and subscribe to our channel. Like the video. Comment that it was great. Share it out. Do all that good stuff. And most of all, pick up Adventure Mart from Hub Games. That's true. Adventure Mart is very good. But yes, we did that. If you have any kind of question for us or topics you want us to cover or a game you would like us to look at for the podcast, make sure to send us an email, contact at malthousegames.com. You can also find us on all social media at Malthouse Games. You can find me personally at Delton Brack, D-E-L-T-O-N-B-R-A-C-K. You can find Haley at S-Q-U-I-R-R-E-L-Y-G-E-E-K. That's at Squirrely Geek. I think that's everything. I think we need another fest beer and to carve some pumpkins. Maybe so. So until next time, sit back, relax, grab a beer, and play some games. And carve some pumpkins and have a good Halloween. Have a safe and good Halloween. Woo! We'll see you folks later. Boo! <laughs> Bye. <laughs>